Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> Pupai. Written by Ben Errington. Narrated by Josh Curran. Joshua knew that he had to stash the money somewhere it could never be found. He wasn't worried about his associates boys he had been stupid enough to call his friends. They didn't have the presence of mind to look anywhere other than under a floorboard, behind a couch, or inside a mattress. He wasn't even worried about the cops. He knew that if they came knocking he could talk his way out of trouble, as he nearly always did. It was his father, the strict man who ruled his household, who he knew he had to hide it from. The man who would smell a rat just by looking at the way Joshua was standing. He had a bizarre knack for that, and was right almost every time. If he were hiding something, the old man would take hold of that iron poker from the fireside and wrap it hard against his knuckles until he split the skin. There was no way he could keep his mouth shut after that blinding pain and the threat of even more to come. He would spill the beans and cry like he did when he was ten years old. Joshua was more than double that age now, and was mixed up with the same bad eggs he had been with for almost the entirety of the previous decade. Well, it was his mother that called them bad eggs, but Joshua knew that he was just as bad as the rest of them. Sometimes, he could be worse. There was a house a few blocks over that he knew had been abandoned for years. The windows were boarded up, and the doors had been replaced with bricks. There would be a way in, There had to be, and when he was inside, he would hide the money somewhere perfect, like taped to a long out-of-service boiler, 
It would never be found there, and he could return to claim it when the time was right. He waited until it was dark, piled the money into a rucksack, and made his way to his destination, daubed in a black hoodie and leather jacket that he had stolen from the back of a chair in a hipster coffee shop full of posers drinking soy lattes. The small house was run down, and much of the discoloured exterior looked like it would collapse if given a shift kick. The front lawn was overgrown and came to Joshua's knees as he walked over it and towards the back of the house. He used a crowbar to pry off some of the wooden panels that covered a ground floor window and slipped in feet first, kicking some glass bottles from a kitchen sink that smashed onto the tiled floor. Joshua's waistband caught on the window frame and he slipped from the edge of the sink, landing hard on his lower back, both of his elbows taking the brunt of the impact. He groaned in pain as he stood up, his eyes adjusting to the blackness of the kitchen. The room was fairly empty, but for a few piles of older newspapers that clustered together in the corner of the room, some of them appearing to be stuck to the wall. The air was thick and muggy, which was strange. There was warmth coming from somewhere, but Joshua was unsure what the source could be. He made his way through the kitchen and into a hallway, his nose filling with an unpleasant sulfur-like odour. He covered his nose with one hand and used the other to nudge open doors to look into the murky rooms. He couldn't see into them, but he knew that somewhere there would be a closet that stored a boiler. As he approached the front of the house, the smell got worse. His eyes were burning, and he was finding it hard to keep them open as they filled with water. He looked at the floor, which seemed to be covered with dry leaves. As he made his way towards the front door, the leaves were heaped around the entrance to what Joshua assumed must be a living room. The door was open a few inches, and milky light, perhaps from the street outside, was spilling out. Joshua pulled the rucksack tighter to his back, and used his knee to push the door open. Piles of leaves gathering around as he did so. He stepped sideward into the room, the weight of the leaves from the other side of the door closing it behind him. The room was packed full of formations that lined the floor and walls. Weird, chrysalis-like shapes made up a similar material to the leaves that had littered the ground. Each pod was large perhaps the size of several adult males, and they were packed tightly together. Joshua walked closer to the cocoons, but as he did, he heard a noise from the back where he had entered the house. It sounded like rustling, either of paper or feathers or leaves, somebody following him into the building. He couldn't be sure if he had been followed or not, so he struggled back through the gap in the living room door and began to climb the stairs to the first floor. Each of the steps he took bent the wood, as if the staircase was struggling to support his weight. He tripped up the last of the stairs, and landed hard on the dusty floor, his rucksack falling from his shoulder. He could hear whoever had joined him in the house, making their way through the same hallway he had sluggishly walked through. But they were fast. Joshua jumped up and into the closest room, a dingy bedroom empty but for a tattered heap of various blankets on a decaying bed frame. The pursuer was moving up the stairs now, 
so Joshua dropped to the ground and pulled himself along the splintering floorboards, hiding himself under the bed. He span onto his back, blinking hard as dust filled his mouth. The mattress above his head was falling apart, springs and stuffing pushing their way through the wooden slats of the frame. His nose filled with a more intense version of the same sulfur-like odour, and he began to gag, his tongue feeling like leather in his dry mouth. He heard a noise that resembled meat being torn apart, and the smell got stronger still, resembling rotten eggs now. In the doorway, he could see the odd shape of something moving, but it was too dark to make out exactly what it was. He turned away as the disgusting noise seemed to get closer, the tearing now sounding like wet tissue paper being slung against a wall. He looked away and held his breath, trying to stifle his uncontrollable worried whimpers. When Joshua looked back, he saw a pair of shoes standing at the end of the bed, a pair of black Chuck Taylors, the white laces grubby and various holes where the canvas was breaking apart. They looked small, as if perhaps they belonged to a child or a petite woman. They were still, as if whomever they belonged to was somehow trying to coax Joshua out from his hiding spot. Then they moved, a quick, jolting movement that turned them instantaneously backwards, the back of the shoes now facing Joshua's narrow eyes. Bizarrely, they lifted from the ground and slowly into the air. He could see a clean, vicious liquid dripping profusely onto the ground, creating a puddle around the lifeless pair of legs that were now almost out of sight. Joshua shimmied along the floorboard so that he could get a better look, but his fears stopped him from getting closer. He could smell piss now, but he wasn't sure if it was him or not. He wanted to touch his crotch, but he didn't dare move his hands. The person had disappeared, and there was no longer any noise coming from where they had been standing. Joshua wanted to come out from under the bed, bound down the stairs and out the house just as quickly. But every time he built himself up to make a move, he seemed to remain even more still than before. He waited, his breathing shallow and sweat pouring from his forehead for what felt like nearly an hour, eager that he would hear the person leave the room and hopefully the house. Exasperatingly, that never happened, so Joshua knew that he had to suck it up. He moved along the ground like a spider and peered out to see another of the ghastly chrysalis formations on the ceiling. It seemed to be pulsating somehow, the brown leaf-like material that made up the shape looking similar to some sort of wasp's nest up close. Joshua edged out from under the bed and got to his feet, tightening the straps of his rucksack. The piss smell was stronger still, and it was clear that it was coming from the pod that stuck to the ceiling with vine-like tendrils. Joshua knew that he should leave the room and make a swift exit, but he found himself reaching up towards the cocoon with an outstretched hand somehow curious as to what it felt like. The chrysalis split open, and something sprung out, missing Joshua's face by no more than an inch. A wing, twice the size of Joshua, flapped frantically, as if whatever it belonged to was trying to escape the repulsive prison it was within. It was still, 
just as quickly as it had moved. The wing looked like it belonged to some sort of insect. It had a circular pattern on the top half, while the entirety of it looked to be made up of powdery scales. Joshua thought it looked like the wing of a moth, but it was way too huge to be that. His stomach lurched over as the wing moved again, a disturbing screech now coming from within the cocoon. He backed away slowly before making a break for it. He leapt down the stairs and tried to get out the front door, but it was stuck fast. There was a thud above him in the bedroom, and he could hear a low growl that sounded like a car engine. He noticed that the living room door was now wide open, and he could see the pods inside. Dozens of them, shuddering as tendrils flung out of the cocoons. Dark powder filling the air like a filthy poison. He heard the same thud upstairs again, and took it as a signal to sprint back into the kitchen and fumble his way out the window, splitting more of the boards that covered it as he forced his way outside. His weak legs gave way as he fell forwards onto the gravel, his hands breaking his fall but dragging across the sharp stones. He barely registered the pain as he got to his feet, running as fast as he could back to the front of the house and over the dense front lawn. The street was illuminated with silver moonlight, and his eyes were struggling to adjust after the time he had spent in the murky nest of the abandoned house. Each laboured step he took seeming to take longer than the last. Then he heard it. The inhuman, shrill shriek of something coming from high above him. Joshua stopped, swivelled on his feet, and looked up. There was a shape moving swiftly back and forth, momentarily blocking the moonlight. It called out like a terrible bird and began to grow larger as it swooped down towards him. Joshua tried to turn and run, but his legs creaked like rusted metal beams. The creature flew at him and grabbed hold of his shoulders with cold claws, lifting him from the ground and up into the night. He tried to scream, but nothing came out. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. PewPie was written by Ben Arrington, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes with music by Chris Zabriskie and Tom Robson. Our first Kickstarter is live. We're crowdfunding our first comic book about the post-apocalyptic luchador El Marvo, and you can grab the entire first issue for $1, so go to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash Kickstarter to be redirected. Also, if you're a fan of the show and you want to support the creators, then why not become a patron over at www.patreon.com forward slash Cleaver. You can support the show from as little as a dollar a month, that's less than the price of a cup of coffee, and you'll get special ad-free early access to episodes, Q&As with the creators, and even a special bonus episode produced just for the patrons. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 